so much for giving us the amazing, wonderful opportunity and, and honor, Lord, and the blessing of coming together as the body to worship you, Lord. That's the focus, to worship you. Uh, you are the one who we seek. You are the one who we love. You are the one who we worship. And so, Lord, thank you for giving us this wonderful opportunity to come together and to uplift your name and to hear you speak to us through your word. And, Lord, I decrease that you would increase. I am to myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. That everything that I say and every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Proverbs chapter 3. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. If you have your Bible or Bible app, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 is today's text. Uh, verses 1 through 12 of chapter 3 is today's text. We're now in part 4 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Everyone say that. Love that. Amen. Now, before we dive into the text, as always, I want to do a quick review from last week's text. It was chapter 2, the whole chapter. We covered the whole chapter, and I gave you four points. You might remember the points. I'll give them to you. The first point was wisdom sanctifies us. Everyone say that. Now say with enthusiasm, wisdom sanctifies us, and that's found in verses 1 through 6. And when our hearts are filled with God's wisdom and God's knowledge and understanding, we are being what? Sanctified. Sanctification in its very essence, listen now, is the shaping of the believer to be like who? Like Christ in every way. The second point was wisdom secures us. Everyone say that. That's in verses 7 through 9. And we're secure because wisdom, what it does, it puts before us the right criteria so that we can make the right choices. The third point was wisdom satisfies us. Say that. Wisdom satisfies us. That's in verse 10. So when wisdom is residing at the core of our hearts, at the core of our very being, then it will resonate through our entire lives with joy. We're not... We're not only saved, but we're also satisfied, right? Because wisdom and truth is now dwelling in our hearts. And the fourth point was wisdom saves us. Say that. Wisdom saves us, verses, found in verses 11 through 19. And it, it saves us, in other words, pro protects us from godless men of corrupt principles and from godless women of corrupt practices. And then in verses 20 through 22, it speaks about two paths, right? You can pick one of these two paths. One path we will be established, if we pick it, we'll be established and dwell in safety and delight. On the other path, we pick that path, we will dwell in uncertainty and destruction. So it's our choice, right? This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is The, Bless, the Blessed Life. Say that. The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. Now, you might remember that in part one of this series, I pointed out that the Proverbs are set up in couplets. Uh, there are three types of couplets. You might remember this, but the first one was contrast couplets. Say contrast. Contrast couplets. Contrasting thoughts that have been linked together with the word but. The word but. So you have contrast couplets. You also have what they call comparative couplets. Say comparative couplets. And this shows two choices, two choices with one being better than the other. And the key words that link them are better than, like, or so. So you have contrast couplets, comparative couplets, and you also have complete couplets. Say that. Complete couplets. Here, the second thought, in other words, the complete couplets is here. here. It's, it's this. The second thought completes the first thought. In other words, what it does, it expounds 
on it. It expounds on that thought. And the key words used here are and and so. That's a complete couplet. Well, in today's text, there are five complete couplets. Are you guys with me? Uh, Where the second thought completes the first thought, expounds on that. And you'll also notice that each couplet, I love this, begins with an exhortation. God, it begins with an exhortation and then follows with a, with a blessing. So you have the exhortation first, and then you have the blessing. Are you guys with me? Got it? Two points. If you're ready, say yes. Number one is this. Pay close attention. Pay close attention. This has been a theme throughout this series so far, right? Pay close attention. Let's look at verse 1. If you're with me, say amen. My son, do not forget my teaching. Now, the King James renders it as, do not forget my law. Say law. I want to stop there. The word law is referring to the Torah, which is used by the Jews to describe the first five books of the Bible written by who? By Moses. The law, Torah, is referring to teaching or instruction. You guys got that? Say teaching. Say instruction. So Solomon's saying, so my son, do not forget, do not forsake the teaching, the instruction of the Scripture that I'm giving you. So let's read on. But keep, in other words, guard my commands in your what? Come on, in your heart. Now, now the ancient Israelites considered the heart to include not just emotions, but also the will and the intellect. So with that in mind, the Father is saying to the Son, use all your inner resources to, to hold on to these commandments, these laws. Don't let them slip out of your mind. Don't just let them go in one ear and out the other. Let them sink in your heart. Sink in your life. Take root. Let it take root. Let it dwell deep in, in the soil of your heart. Receive it and retain it. Keep them. Guard them. Hold on to them. Let the, I love this. Let them be the rule of your life. Let it go from your head. Saying this, let it go from your head to your what? To your heart. Never forget what you've learned through God's word. He's telling his son. Don't forget these things. Pay, pay close attention to what I've taught you the instructions I've given you. Now notice the blessing. That's the exhortation. Now notice the blessing when we heed to that exhortation. Verse 2. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you what? Prosperity. Now let's walk through this because I want to make sure we understand what the text is saying. Again, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. So, for they will prolong your life many years. First of all, let me tell you what this verse is not saying. It's not saying that all godly people live long lives. Got it? We all know many godly individuals who have not lived many years of life, don't we? Right? So, what is this saying? It's saying that for the Christian, however long one's life is, it will be lived to the maximum, to the fullest, it will be a life worth living. You got it? You see, it's not the quantity, the length of one's life, but the quality of that length that counts in eternity. As Christians, God will be our life, right? Do you believe that? Say amen. And not only our life, but also the length of our days. 
Psalm 21.4, the psalmist writes this, He asked you for life, you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. So while it's true that many godly people die young, and I know many godly individuals who have died young, it's also true that eternal life is theirs in heaven and also in the new earth. Amen? If you're safe, say Amen. So we live forever and ever. If you're a believer, that's it. That's a good deal. We live forever and ever. Death is not the end for us. So either way, we win, right? It's a win-win situation. Look at the text. And bring you prosperity. Now, some believers have taken the word prosperity in the Bible and have misinterpreted it, misused it, and misunderstood it. Some believers believe it means that you will be rich that all of a sudden, as you become a believer, you'll have money and cars, homes, and be financially wealthy and financially independent. Now, this is not to say that you can't have those things. Are you guys with me? But this verse, this text, this verse, nor the word prosperity, is promising financial rewards. Are you guys with me? In fact, the word here for prosperity is the word peace. The King James renders it as peace, a peace or tranquility. In the Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. Say shalom. It's God's word for all well-being, wholeness, goodness, a total satisfaction in life, a state of calm without anxiety and without stress. It means mended, I love this, mended harmonious relationships within your family and also within your community. Isn't that awesome? It means not only having peace with God, but the peace of God in your life. And by the way, God's priority is not to make us rich, but to make us righteous. Can I get an amen? Verse 3, verse 3. Let love, that could also be rendered as kindness or mercy, and faithfulness, that could be rendered as truth. So he says, let love kindness slash mercy and faithfulness slash truth, never what? Never leave you. I want to stop there because this is speaking about, you got to get this, this is speaking about inward character. Say inward character. Let's go back to this. Let love, your Bibles might render it as mercy, and mercy is love toward the unworthy. Mercy is love toward the undeserving. And I want to tell you, friends, as Christians, we have experienced and keep on experiencing in the mercy of God in our lives, right? And because of that, God expects us as believers to exercise towards others that same mercy. Got it? Get this. Mercy is a natural characteristic of God. It is the unnatural characteristic of man and it is or it should be a supernatural characteristic of Christians. Right? You see, an unmerciful Christian is a contradiction in terms. We got to show mercy. It's part of our character as believers. Amen? Then he says this, and faithfulness slash truth never what? Leave you. A better translation of that is and reliability, dependability, integrity. Okay? And let that never Never forsake that. Be a person of your word. In other words, be a person of your word by integrity and dependability. 
Be faithful, be reliable, be dependable. Listen now, at work, in your relationships, and in ministry. It's about character. Are you guys with me? Let's read on. Bind them. Say, bind them. Around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, follow me here now. Bind love, right? Bind love slash mercy. Bind faithfulness slash truth, which also means reliability, dependability, integrity. Bind them around your what? Your neck. It should be like a necklace, in other words, that you wear all of the time. Don't let it leave you. He's saying don't let it, don't let those things out of your sight. They should become part of your life. It's kind of like some of you, you know, here, you guys wear a necklace every day. You can't go without it. If you don't have it, you feel naked, right? And so we wear things, and I got to wear this. It doesn't feel right when I don't have them. When I don't have it, it feels like I'm missing something, correct? It's like me. I, I, love, I love rings. I love silver. And the only time I don't wear these rings is when I'm working out or I'm in the shower or I go to bed. But other than that, if I don't have them, I feel just not right. I got to wear them. Some of you, it's your iPhone. Okay, you can't go without it. Okay, well, it's the same thing here, friends. We should have these things as a necklace around our neck and always have them with us. Amen? They should be around us all the time. We should not let them out of our sight. They are part of our life. Now, notice what happens when we obey the exhortation of living out love, mercy, and truth faithfulness. Look at the blessing, verse 4. Then you will, what? Win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. It ensures us the favor of God and the favor of man. Isn't that awesome? Think about that. The life of wisdom, get this now, as we fill our lives with God's word, with his wisdom, life of wisdom will result in the pleasure of God and the respect of man. The pleasure of God and the respect of man. Get this, being right with God and right with men is the hallmark of integrity and the proof of real wisdom. So pay close attention to God's word. Do you want to live the blessed life? Come on, it's not a rhetorical question. Do you want to live the blessed life? I would hope so, right? Yes, I do. And if you and I want to live this blessed life, it's very clear here that we are to pay close attention to the Word of God so that we'll fill our lives with wisdom, right? So we have to heed to these exhortations if we want the blessings. You can't have the blessing without heeding to the exhortation. Does that make sense? So pay close attention. Number two, we're going to spend most of our time here, is put God first. Put God first. Everyone say that. Now notice what we are to do. Notice what to do. Verse 5, trust in who? The Lord. I want to stop there. This phrase, trust in the Lord, appears 152 times in the Old Testament. 152 times in the Old Testament. Now, now the word trust, or we can use the word leaning, are very close in meaning. Trust, or the word trusting, it means to put oneself wholly at the mercy of another. The word leaning means not just reclining against something, but relying on it for total, complete support. 
You guys with me? So to trust God, what, what Solomon's saying here, to trust God means to not depend on our own resources. Got it? But rather to cast, a cast, cast all of our hopes and cares for the present and for the future upon God. Now notice this kind of trust, notice this kind of trust has to be what? With all your heart. It's not just trusting, but it's with what? With all your heart. How much are we to trust God with, come on, with what? All of our heart. So this trust must be wholehearted. Wholehearted. And we all know what it means to say, I love you with all of my what? I love you with all of my heart. I'm reminded about what Jeremiah wrote and wrote to the exiles in Babylon that God said in Jeremiah 29, 13. He said this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's not just seeking him, but seeking him with what? All your heart. So we are to seek him with all of our heart. All of our heart. In other words, that is with all of our will, all of our emotion, all of our intellect. So here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? Trust in God. Very simple. Trust in God. Listen, it's smart. It's wise. It's wisdom to trust in God with all of our heart. And I'm just going to be honest. Some of you here, you're not trusting God. Instead, you're trying. You're not trusting Him. You're trying on things on your own strength. You're trying to, to work out that issue or, or things in life on your own. You're not trusting. You're trying. You need to trust Him wholeheartedly. Are you with me? When you trust Him instead of trying, listen, when you trust God instead of trying, it will remove anxiety and it will increase joy. It's a heart that is completely undivided. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Listen, if you trusted Him alone for your salvation, if you trusted Him alone to keep you by His grace and bring you at last into everlasting glory of eternity, then you can trust Him alone for every single thing, for every single situation, for every single circumstance of your life. Right? Family, children, relationships, business, job, ministry, finances, health, everything. You can trust him. Can someone please say amen? Listen, he, he has to be not only Savior of your life, but also say it, Lord of your life. And when he's Lord of your life, then and only then, listen now, are you able to live with the confidence and the assurance and the faith that he is in complete control of your life. You got to trust his sovereign guidance in your heart. You got to lean hard upon him. So trust him with all your heart. But there's more. There's more. This is what you shouldn't do. And lean out on your own understanding. Okay? Lean out on your own understanding. This is a warning about self-deception. Self-deception. It warns us about leaning on our own intellect or our own self rather than on the Lord, on His wisdom and on His Word. Warren Wiersbe said this, Pastor Warren Wiersbe, who's now in glory with the Lord, said this 
Warning doesn't suggest that God's children turn off their brains and ignore their intelligence or common sense. It simply cautions us not to depend on our own wisdom and and experience or the wisdom and experience of others. The problem is this, friends. This is the problem with some believers is that God is too small and their head is too big. Huh? Yeah? With some believers, is God is too small and their head is too big. I can handle this, God. I don't need your help right now, right now, God. I don't need you at this point, God. I think I can get through this with my own wisdom, my own intellect. You know, I'm pretty smart, God. You know what that is? That's self-confidence. And what you're doing, you're exalting your learning and you're exalting yourself. I also want to point out that this is also a warning against trusting in our own heart. You guys with me? And I got to tell you, friends, listen now, this is abused by a lot of Christians. And they go by their heart. They follow their heart. You know, go by what your heart tells you, man. Follow your heart, bro. Follow your heart, sis. It's all based on and driven by how they feel. What I feel. This is what I feel. God says, this is my feelings. Well, that's a big mistake, friends. I'm telling you right now. Remember what I said last Sunday? I said that our feelings are a lousy indicator. It'll mess you up, right? And I hear Christians say to other Christians, well, you know, you just, you just got to do what your heart tells you. No, you don't. No, you don't. You got, listen, you need to go by what the Word of God tells you. Amen? So are you ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Don't follow your heart. Lead your heart to God's word. Don't follow your heart. Lead your heart to God's word. You go by what the word of God tells you to do. Because your heart, listen now, I'm telling you, friends, your heart can mess you up. It can convince you that you're all that. Convince you that you're okay. It can lead you the wrong way. Well, what does Jeremiah 17, 9 say? The heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Other translation says your heart is desperately wicked. So you want to trust your heart? Really? Huh? Don't trust your heart. Trust the word of God. And see, the word, this is what I love about the word of God. The word of God gives God's view of life. God's view of life. And what it does is his word imparts wisdom, it imparts, gives understanding, it brings light, and it builds faith. This is the word, man. You gotta love it, right? So don't follow your heart. Lead your heart to the word of God. Bury your face in the word of God and don't make a decision, don't make a move until God confirms it. Amen? Now notice the blessing. So what we need to do in all your ways, circle all your ways. Acknowledge, circle that word, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. God, just, just underline the whole verse, right? Right? Circle the whole verse. It means we must so acknowledge God, listen now, friends, that his ways, ways and his word and character shape our choices and direct our lives. I'm going to say it again. 
It means that we as believers must so acknowledge, listen, acknowledge him that his ways and his word and character shape our choices and direct our lives. To acknowledge him means more literally to know him. To know him. The Hebrew term implies the richer content of being aware of and having fellowship with him. In other words, friends, in every area of life, the believer is to recognize and appreciate and treasure the knowledge and the wisdom and the presence of God. So rather than trying to, listen now, trying to think through your problems, huh? rather than trying to think through your circumstances, acknowledge God in your problem. In all your what? Ways. Acknowledge Him. You have a problem? You have an issue? You have a concern? You have a situation? Okay, a situation you can't figure out? Then acknowledge God in the midst of that. Acknowledge Him. Right? God, I acknowledge in the midst of my situation, God, I acknowledge your sovereignty. I acknowledge your presence. I acknowledge your power. I acknowledge your wisdom. Everywhere I go, everything that I do, Lord Jesus, every problem, situation I'm faced with, I will acknowledge you. And it's there. When you're there, in all my ways, acknowledge you, it's there that he makes our paths straight. It's there that we begin to walk and live in His perfect will for our lives. Listen, the God who made you for life can and will direct your life. I'm going to say it again. The God who made you for life can and will direct your life. You know the best way to know God's will the best way to know God's will is to say, I will acknowledge you in all my ways. I will. I will. You're still with me, say amen. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. That's what started the fall of man, right? You go back to the beginning, right? Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's also pride. Fear the Lord and what? Now notice that. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord in what? Shun evil. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, isn't like our modern day self-help books that tell us how great we are and how we can do everything and do it right. In fact, it does just the opposite. It tells us not to think of ourselves too highly, but to think of God highly. If you're safe, say amen. If we're trusting God, I want you to get this. If we are totally trusting God and not leaning in our own understanding, then we can't be wise in our own eyes. Can't. Because you're trusting in God. Now notice there's a parallel here between being wise in your own eyes and shunning evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and what? So there's a parallel. According to Proverbs, to be wise, according to Proverbs, okay, To be wise in your own eyes, to think you have it all figured out, is considered evil. There it is. It's parallel. You're safe, say amen. 
Wisdom is based upon a relationship of trust and faith with the living God. Therefore, the wise believer will reverence and worship God and literally, as they reverence and worship God, literally run from any shape or form of sin, wickedness, or evil. Got it? Chapter 8 of Proverbs, verse 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Hate evil. If we call ourselves believers, if we do, we should never be wise in our own eyes, and we should live a life that hates evil. Are you guys with me? Now look at the blessing. Look at the blessing. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Wow. The terms body and bones represent the whole self, the total person. So the possessor of wisdom, what he's saying here, will be healthy and whole in the relationship with God. Now I want to say this. This this does not mean or ensure permanent physical health. What it's saying is, is walking in God's ways to walk the way of wholeness for the whole life, the whole of our being. That's what it's saying. Now, did you know that, that, physician, that, that physicians see the correlation between a healthy, emotional, and even spiritual life and physical life? There's a correlation there, what's going on. In fact, they, they, they recognize this. They recognize that stress and worry cause physical damage. I know most of us know this, right? Charles Mayo, the head of the Mayo Clinic, said this. Worry affects circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. He says this, I have never known a man who died from overwork, but many who died of worry. Died of worry. One physician said this, worry can manifest itself in the physical realm, sweating, dizziness, diarrhea, difficulty in breathing, cardiac cardiac pain. A person can become tense and irritable. You ever been around... People who are constantly worrying. I mean, just everything, they worry about everything. And all of a sudden, you're around them so much, you start worrying. Huh? Huh? I mean, they worry about everything, right? Well, here's a lesson. You ready? You ready? Don't worry, worship. Don't worry, worship. And I want to say this. As a believer, you cannot worry and worship at the same time. Can't. You're either doing one or the other. And we can make ourselves physically ill by worrying. Well, what happens when we do the opposite? What happens when we trust God with all of our heart and when we lean not on our own understanding and acknowledge Him in all our ways? Well, guess what? There's joy. There's joy in our life. There's wholeness. We're at peace. Amen? So question, let's go back to what I asked you last week, the difference between praise and worship. What is worship? Worship is acknowledging God for who he what? Is. Right? So how do you stop worrying? Start worshiping. Got it? By acknowledging God in all your ways. Then there comes a healing effect. Got it? And that's the beauty of it, friends. As you, as you begin, as you start, as worry begins to overwhelm you, stop. 
and begin to worship God for who he is and begin to acknowledge him in all your ways and say, God, you're great. God, you're awesome. I rely on your providence. I rely on your sovereignty. I rely on you, God, who has control in my life. Right? Worship him. Worship him. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your what? Wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Why? Because it's not yours. Did you get that? It's not yours. Okay. We're, we're, okay. In fact, we're not our own. We have been bought with a price. If you believe that, say amen. And we think that doesn't include our resources, that doesn't include our money. Sure it does. Every single part of you. Now notice Solomon doesn't say, give to the Lord from your wealth. Instead he says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Okay, why? Because giving in in and of itself means nothing. Follow me here. Giving is only valuable when it glorifies God. Are you guys with me? We can give and be what? Acting selfishly as we give. Okay, but we honor And we glorify God when we give to Him and to His work with joy. When we give to Him with the attitude, I honor you, God, as the one who gave it to me. You gave me what I have. I honor you as the source of all that I have. You have given me the ability, God, to earn wealth. I acknowledge you. Without you, apart from you, I could do absolutely nothing. Nothing, God, without you, even with an abundance of wealth, my life would be worthless. So what I do, what we should do is acknowledge all this is from God. By what? By giving of the first fruits, the best, the first to him. To you, God. First fruits, not last fruits. Okay? The best, not leftovers. That we give to him. And I want to say this, if we don't faithfully give to the Lord, then we really don't trust Him. We really don't trust Him. And I want you to notice the blessing. Look at verse 10. Then, then, the exhortation is to give of your first fruits, right? Honor God with your first fruits. That's exhortation. What's the blessing? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So what God does, God rewards Faithful giving. Faithful giving. I want to say this. God has not promised us material prosperity in return for faithful giving. He has not. But he has promised to meet all our needs. All our needs. Okay? So, as you give of your first fruits to him, in the New Testament, it's it's generous giving. It's, It's, you know, give what you can. Give according to your means. And when you give that to him, he's going to bless you. You give it with the right attitude, he's going to bless you. Amen? Now notice what not to do. Look at verse, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's what? Discipline or correction. And do not resent his rebuke. Why? Why? Here we go, verse 12. Because the Lord disciplines, corrects those he loves as a father the son he delights in. You're safe, say amen. As believers, we need to receive our Heavenly Father's loving correction. I want you to to, to hear me here. He corrects us, not punishes us. 
You got it? So you got it. He corrects us, not punishes us. We should never, never think, friends, that God is punishing us, that he wants to get back at us. His heart has always, this is now always, say always, been to lovingly correct us. We have a, listen, we have a heavenly father who loves us, you and I, so much, friends, that he's, this, he's willing to correct us. Why? Because he doesn't want pampered babies. He wants productive, mature adults. So he's going to correct you. I don't like it. Tough. He's going to correct you. Right? Now, I want you to write this down. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 6. And we covered this years ago when I taught through the book of Hebrews. This is such a wonderful passage, scripture here. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. In other words, don't treat it lightly. Don't shut your ears and your eyes to what God might be showing you through his correction, through his discipline. Then it says this, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Verse 6 says this, Hebrews 12, because the Lord, love this, disciplines those he loves. And he chastises everyone he accepts as a son, as a daughter. Did you guys get that? Verse 6 of Hebrews is key. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he chastises everyone he accepts as a son. God doesn't discipline those who don't belong to him. Doesn't. Okay? He only disciplines those who are his. And his discipline in our lives is what? It's evidence it's proof that you and I belong to him. Got it? You know, and I, my kids are they're now adults. They're grown up and pretty much out of the house. And, but when, you know, when they were little and as they were going through their teenage years, you know, I, I, I disciplined them because they're my kids. I didn't discipline other kids, though I wanted to. Though I wanted to. But I disciplined my kids. Why? Because I'm their father. And as their father, I'm going to discipline them because discipline them proves that they're my kids and proves that I love them. Amen? And he does the same to us. He disciplines us because he loves us. He chastises us. He corrects us because he loves us. Okay? And by the way, I'm going to say this. If you, if you claim to be saved, and, and if you, listen, and, and if you have not, if you can be saved and you have not experienced the discipline and correction of God in your life, then perhaps you're not saved. Just being honest, perhaps you don't belong to Him. I mean, you, if you have no, if there's no discipline in your life from God, no correction in your life from God, then you've got to ask yourself the question, man, am I really saved? Because he disciplines those who he loves and those who he calls and accepts as sons and daughters. Right? Now, I want to say this. No matter how much his discipline may hurt us, because it does. It's not, it's not fun. It's not fun. Right? It's not fun when God disciplines us. And no matter how much 
as discipline hurts you and I, it will never harm us. Got it? Because his disciplining, chastening hand is controlled by his loving heart. He loves us. He's our Father. He's all about our character development. Did you know that? He's all about teaching us, correcting us, and transforming us. So you ready for the lesson? Here it is. Wisdom doesn't despise God's discipline. Wisdom doesn't despise God's discipline. Why? Because wisdom, when you're filled with wisdom, wisdom knows that his discipline is his sign of love for us. A sign that we truly belong to him. So when you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, and he disciplines you, thank him for it. Thank you, Lord, you're correcting me. Thank you, you're rebuking me, because that shows me that I'm your child and I belong to you. And I know you're not doing it to hurt me, okay, to help me. And though it may hurt what I'm going through, you'll never harm me. You guys with me? See, this is the reason, this is the deal. When you and I are filled with the wisdom of God, with the Word of God, friends, we know that His discipline is a sign that He loves us. No. I belong to you, Lord. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Thank you, Lord, I belong to you. Oh, you know, I mean, right? So as we wrap this up, question, do you belong to him? Well, you know, I, I've been coming to church for the last 15 years. I didn't ask you that. Well, you know, I read my Bible. I didn't ask you that. Well, you know, I, I pray all the time. I didn't ask you that. I asked you, do you belong to him? Do you belong to him? Because if you do belong to him, you will pay close attention to his word and you will always live your life trying your best to put him first place. Amen? That's how you know. How do I belong to him? Well, I'm going to dig in the word Pay close attention to his instructions and teaching and put him first. If you do that, he's going to discipline you because you belong to him. Yeah?